What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're here to do part three of Best Case, Worst Case. Make sure to like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to be doing this all the way to a seven-part series where we cover every team from the east and the west of the Big Ten, where we look at the best-case scenarios and the worst-case scenarios, looking at their schedules to see how they can fare reasonably. We've already done four teams. Last week, last Tuesday, we covered Rutgers and we covered Illinois. And then on Friday morning, last Friday, we covered Northwestern and Indiana. And this week, I think, might be my favorite week because we cover two teams that I think could have very different seasons depending on what happens. And we're going to cover Maryland in the east. We're going to cover Purdue in the west. I think that they might be two of my most intriguing teams going into the season. Again, just as a, as a reminder, this is not my projection of what's going to happen. This is just looking at what I think is reasonable. Um, so we're going to do this. This is, gonna, this is dropping Tuesday morning, uh, the 26th. We'll have uh, part four on the 29th on a Friday. I might do a bonus episode in between. Uh, Pat, Mar- Pat Narduzzi of Pitt decided to stick his foot in his mouth, and I think it'd be good to talk about that. So check that out. See if uh, I might drop something in between these two episodes. But we're going to go right into Maryland. And Maryland is, I feel like, my perpetual dark horse team because they'll get some talent. They look really, really good in the beginning of seasons. I mean, if you look at their past few non-conference seasons, they've beaten Texas twice. They beat West Virginia last year. I mean, last year they looked like they were gangbusters until they hit a buzzsaw against Iowa. And they faced Iowa. They faced Ohio State in back-to-back weeks, and it almost derailed their whole season. Part of that was their star receiver, Dante Demas, was injured in the Iowa game, and that that just kind of felt like it took the wind out of their sails. They had, they had several other injuries as well, both on the offensive and de- defensive side of the ball. And so on one hand, as you look at Maryland, it is just very easy to kind of dismiss them as the same team with the hope of promise, and yet they'll never deliver. But if you look at their roster... Their roster is, especially on the offense side, offensive side of the ball, I, I'm not sure if there's a better offense in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State. They they have maybe the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten in Talia Tungavailoa. Their receiving core is ridiculous. Dante Demas comes back from injury, although we're not sure if he'll be 100% early on. Rakeem Jarrett is a former five-star wide receiver that they got. They, they won a huge recruiting battle against LSU and became the number one option once Demas went out. Jacob Copeland transfers in from Florida, and they have Deshaun Jones as well if they, if they would go to a four-wide-out set. Uh, their, their running back room, we're still not all that sure about. Uh, Colby McDonald is the projected starter uh, you have Ramon Brown coming in, Antoine Littleton. They, they lost Fleet Jones last year, who I think was probably a better receiving back. But 
there's some optimism around the program that the running game might be a little bit better, but make no mistake about it. This is all about the passing passing game, the passing attack, their explosive plays on the perimeter. They, they also think that the offensive line is going to improve. I believe they get all five starters back on the offensive line. So if you look at their their offensive roster and at least their starting lineup, I think they return nine starters. So really, really good on the offensive side of the ball. If you look at the defense, you have several seniors. Uh, five seniors are projected to be starters and then several juniors as well, only a couple of sophomores. They, they like their... Uh, their special teams unit. And so if you look at this, if you look at Maryland's team and their makeup and you put them in the West of the Big Ten, you might think they could win the West or at least compete in the West. Like, right, that's, they, they could probably get second or third in the West. However, they're not in the West. They're in the East. And, and that's what you have to really consider is they are in the East side of the Big Ten, which is just a gauntlet every year. And so what is the reasonable best case? And and here's the thing. I, I think Maryland they're they're not they're not able to get to the Big Ten championship game because I think the two teams that are def are, are definite losses are gonna be the top two teams in in the East. And so by nature of that, they would need to they would need both those teams to lose three games in the Big Ten, respectively. However, I'm not I'm not so sure that a 10-win season is all that unreasonable. Now, I don't think that's that's definitive, but again, we're looking at reasonable reasonable best case. And for this, you have to understand part of the best case is how does Maryland do against their first big-time opponent? Because we've seen them play lesser opponents and blow them out. We've seen them play mid-tier opponents and keep it close and win some of those games. The next step is can they build momentum rather than get embarrassed on the big stage? Momentum is a big key in this. So first week, they get Buffalo. That's a win. At Charlotte, that's a win. SMU, blow them out. September 24th at Michigan. I don't think they can win that game. I, I think... The strength of Michigan's offensive line is going to push Maryland's defense too much. Um, and while I think Michigan's defense is going to take a, a, a fairly sizable step back, I don't think it's that big of a step back where they're able to score at will against that Michigan defense. Michigan wins, but they only win by seven. Okay, and that's key. They put up a, a, a good showing. They come close to pulling off the upset, but ultimately, J.J. McCarthy throws a game-winning touchdown. That's going to be important for later in this series, by the way. Um, I think if Cade McNamara is the quarterback, I think they win. They could win with. They will win with both of them. But I think I think Michigan's a tough. That's a tough ask for this Maryland team. Next week, Michigan State. They win that game because they out. They outthrow Michigan State. I know Michigan State's defense is projected to get better, but you look at the wide receivers, you look at how, how explosive they are. They outthrow the Spartans, outduel them. They play Purdue. Again, they outperform Purdue. 
and the, that's that gets them into five and one at Indiana, blow them out six and one, Northwestern blow them out seven and one, and you're starting to see the offense is really really rolling, and they get a bye, and then they come to Wisconsin, and because Graham Mertz has not built off of his you know his debut and he's still kind of stumbling and they have to rely on the running they, they sell out on the run you know Wisconsin tries tries to bleed the clock but Maryland gets the upset win in Camp Randall and then they go to Penn State and I think again Penn State's lost a lot on defense and unlike Michigan, who has a great offensive line, Penn State has a terrible offensive line. Penn State can't get anything going in the running game, and they go into Happy Valley. Maryland beats Penn State and shocks everybody. And they go in, uh, they go in at home to host Ohio State at eight and one, ranked in the top twenty, and they push Ohio State to the limit. You know, think twenty eighteen. Ohio State's defense, you know, isn't, you know, isn't the most polished. Or is they haven't gotten where they need to go under Jim Knowles. They're trading scores, but Ohio State ends up winning by by ten at the end. But again, a really respectable showing for Mike Loxley's squad. And then they go, they play Rutgers, they blow out Rutgers, and they just miss out on a really really good bowl bid. They end up going to. The Citrus Bowl, where they they get an SEC team where they lose respectably and they get to ten and three. I think that's the best case scenario. They get a big time bowl game, where even if you lose, you know, if you play a big name SEC team and you get and you get beat, you know that there's there's no shame in that. Um, they push Michigan and Ohio State to the limit. They get big marquee wins against not one, not two, but three out of the top five teams in the Big Ten. And I think all those are reasonable. I, I think Michi- I think Wisconsin might be the biggest stretch because they can control the clock, but I really do think they could upset Wisconsin. And I think Penn State, I think Penn State they can get too. Now, I, I think it's more likely they go eight and four or nine and three if if they all those things kind of go like I think I don't know if they have the depth to get through Wisconsin and Penn State back to back. But I'm not I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they could because of the just how explosive they are. However, the the, the flip side of this is that their worst case I think could be really bad. And again, it a lot of it has to do with how how momentum builds. Because if you remember if, if you look at how this team has been over the past few years, they look great. And then they get smacked, and then everything falls apart. That has been the MO of the Maryland Terrapins under Mike Loxley. So here's the thing. I think they start 3-0 regardless. Buffalo at Charlotte, SMU. SMU maybe pushes them a little bit, but they're 3-0. They go to Michigan. Big time. A lot of hype. And they get beat 55-7. Like, they just get just smacked. Crushed. Tagovailoa throws like four picks. They're three and one, but that three those three wins look really really hollow right now. 
They play Michigan State at home. And Michigan State runs right through them. And they win by 14. They're 3-2. and two. They play Purdue. And Aiden O'Connell throws all over the yard. And Purdue, even though they don't have the better receivers, they outscore the Terrapins. And it's 3-3. Three and, three and three. They go to Indiana. And they, they outscore Indiana barely. But Indiana puts up a fight. But they're 4-3. and three, And they play Northwestern. I think they beat Northwestern, uh, and even in the worst case, five and three. By week at Wisconsin, drilled by twenty-one. At Penn State, uh, Sean Clifford uh, is excellent in the game, and they and Penn State wins by seventeen. They play Ohio State; it's another blowout, seventy to thirteen, something like that. And they end with Rutgers, where they they beat Rutgers. They go six and six. They still make a bowl game. And they, but they they settle for a mid tier, low tier bowl game where they blow out a MAC opponent, and there's no progression whatsoever. They just stay stagnant. So seven and six, seven and six, um, and that's how I think the best case, worst case is for Maryland. So I think I think there could be some really high highs, but I think there there could be some really low. I I wouldn't say low lows, but I think the worst case is stagnation. Um. I think that's the worst case. They have too much talent, I think, to, to not go 6-6. Six and six. Um, So that's, that's my best case, worst case for Maryland. We're going to take a quick, quick break, and then we're going to go to the Purdue Boilermakers. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Just as a reminder, the reason why I'm going in the order of how I'm going is because this is the order that Phil Steele has projected the Big Ten divisions to, to stack up. So seventh was Rutgers in Illinois, east-west. Uh, in sixth, it Indiana and Northwestern. And fifth, it's Maryland and Purdue. And Purdue is very intriguing. They lose, I think, two very, very good playmakers in David Bell and George Karloftis, which I think were maybe the heart and soul of their team. And yet, without both of them... They went nine and four and beat Tennessee. They beat Tennessee in a bowl game, um, which Tennessee was not a great team last year, but nobody thought Purdue was going to win. And then I think they lost their second and third receiver and they still beat the Volunteers. And so there's a good chunk of talent coming back. Aiden O'Connell comes back uh, as a senior quarterback. A lot of people think he might be the, the, a top three quarterback in the Big Ten. King Don, Do, uh, King Doru comes back from injury. They think he's going to be the most effective running back. So he comes back. Um, they have a couple other wide receivers coming back. They have a really good tight end in, in Payne Durham. They have three offensive linemen returning. Uh, and it's um, they're a young offensive line, but a couple juniors, mostly sophomores. But they, they I think they feel pretty confident in that group. The defense is where the questions are. So I, I think the secondary with, with Cam Allen, Corey Trice, I, I think can be good. Uh, the defensive line, obviously, they have starters coming back, but they lose Karloftis. So, I mean, that's that's going to be a blow. I think they're going to struggle a little bit with, with running teams. I think that's just going to be the, the reality. Um, but But here's the thing. 
if you look at Purdue's schedule, they really honestly, I think, only have two teams that will be able to run run hard at them where they, they wouldn't be able to stop it. Other than that, the schedule actually sets up pretty nicely for them. And and similar similarly to Maryland, I'm not sure even their worst case is less than a bowl game. And so let me I'm actually gonna start worst case with the Boilermakers. So they start on a Thursday night at Penn, uh, against Penn State. They host Penn State. And Penn State is, you know, they have, a, they have some talent coming back on offense. Obviously, Sean Clifford comes back. I think he's he's underrated, uh, honestly. If When he's healthy, I think he does well. Um, and if we're doing worst case, I think they lose to Penn State because Penn State has figured some things out. The defense isn't as bad, uh, even with all the losses. Um, you know, they lost a lot on defense with Jaquan Brisker and uh, Brandon Smith and Ebikati. But they still have players on that side of the ball that can make, make a difference. And Penn State wins by 14, establishing once again that Penn State's going to be uh, a team to be, uh, to be reckoned with in the East. So Purdue 0-1. They play Indiana State. That's a win. They're going to play at Syracuse. That's a win. They're, they play Florida Atlantic for homecoming. That's a win. So they're 3-1. and one. They play at Minnesota, and they get pounded. Uh, Ibrahim, Trey Potts uh, run right down the throat. Tanner Morgan is able to get play action going with Chris Hoffman-Bell down the field. And even though Aiden O'Connell can keep them in the game by throwing the ball, they, they're not able to establish the run enough to to get two-dimensional with them. And so they lose that game. And so they're 3-2, and 0-2 oh in the Big Ten. And then they play at Maryland, and they lose because they cannot outscore the Terrapins. So they're 3-3. Three and three. Then they get Nebraska, and Nebraska does not – Scott Frost itself, uh, they're able to win, or Nebraska wins convincingly, three and four. At Wisconsin, eek, three and five. Then they get a bye week, and they get Iowa, and Iowa gets revenge on the road at Purdue because, again, Iowa has a strong offensive line, and they're able to move the ball, and they win like a – because their defense is, is I think, going to be pretty good – uh, Purdue just cannot move the ball well, uh, and not not efficiently, and they lose by thirteen to Iowa. Then they get at Illinois, home Northwestern at Indiana. They win all three of those games to go six and six, and they get a bowl game against you know some group of five team, and they they win that game. They go seven and six, which honestly for Purdue. If that's your worst case scenario, then I think you give Jeff Brom a race because Purdue before last year had been not great. So if that's your worst case scenario, that's pretty good. Let me give you guys maybe a picture of what the best case could be. And I honestly, I might have Purdue as one of my sleeper teams. I need to think about it. I have a couple of 
I, I, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. I, both Maryland and Purdue are, are very tricky to me. But here's, where here's I think, where it gets fun. Purdue hosts Penn State week one on a Thursday night. Penn State lost a lot on defense. Aiden O'Connell picks on their secondary just enough to get the upset. And Purdue, because of that, sneaks into the top 25 after week one. So Purdue's a top 25 team, and they they rattle off three straight wins convincingly. Indiana State, at Syracuse, FAU. 4-0. And they run into the Gophers at Minnesota. And while I think they will keep it close, I don't think they can beat Minnesota because of the matchup. Again, it's the matchup. Purdue is not going to do well against strong running teams that can control the clock and then hit you with play-action pass. They're just not because they're not going to be built to stop them, especially without Karloftis. And so Minnesota runs runs the ball down their throats, beats Purdue, gives them their first loss. 4-1. Then they go to Maryland, and Purdue is able to outscore Talia Tungavailoa, Tungavailoa throws a couple picks, and they they outscore the Terrapins, and they get to five and one. They play Nebraska, and between uh, really good play by the offense, the the Boilermaker offense, and a little bit of Scott Frost magic, Nebraska loses. I'm gonna love doing the Nebraska episode, by the way. Um, Purdue gets to 6-1. and one. They're bowl eligible. They get to Wisconsin. And again, similar to Minnesota, they will not be able to stop Braylon Allen. And so they drop to 6-2 and two by week. And then it's Iowa. I think they can beat Iowa again. I, it would take, I think it'll take a big-time effort, but they have the tight end. They have a couple of really good receivers. And I think they can outlast the Hawkeyes. They win by three points. And again, it's at home, which is a big deal. It's at home, which brings them to 7-2. and two, And they finish at Illinois, Northwestern, at Indiana. I think those are all wins. So I think best case, 10-2 and two, doesn't stop there. Because remember... So if you look at Minnesota and Wisconsin's schedules, which they, that would be the two losses for uh, the, the two losses for Purdue. If you look at Minnesota's schedule, they play at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, at Penn State, at Michigan State. So I don't think it's out of their own possibility for Minnesota to lose three games in the Big Ten. And Wisconsin, even if they beat Purdue, they've got to play at Ohio State. They've got to play at Michigan State. They have to play at Iowa. They have to play at Nebraska. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Wisconsin doesn't have three losses by the end of the season in the Big Ten. 
So I think it's very possible, unlike Maryland, who's got to deal with Michigan and Ohio State, who I don't think... I think it's very unreasonable to think that both of those teams will end with three losses in the Big Ten, and we'll talk about that when we get to their episodes. Um, Purdue... In, like inconceivably could end up in the Big Ten championship game. So, again, the best case scenario, they get to the Big Ten championship game where they face somebody with a good running game and, and they lose. And that's, you know, I, I think under that scenario, if they, beat, if they beat Penn State week one, I doubt they're facing Penn State in the Big Ten championship game. So they're probably going to get Ohio State or Michigan. I think Ohio State or Michigan will take them to task but they still go 10 and 3 they get a decent bowl game and then they'll they'll probably lose the bowl game because it'll be against a premier opponent with a better defense and probably a better running game but still that'd be 10 and 4 big 10 title appearance with jeff braun a lot more uh opportunity in, in the national stage Get to show off that offense, maybe get some recruiting juice going on. That'd be a really good season for Purdue. So what do you guys think? What do you think the best case is for these two teams? Leave a review. Let me know if you want to send me an email. Uh, You can fire it off at Big10FootballTalk at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. We'll be back with Nebraska and Michigan State on Friday morning. So hope you guys enjoyed the pod. Take care. God bless.